0: Two, two Swing Deep left.
1: all right welcome back to another episode of the baseball america fantasy podcast this is your host jeff Ponce. and as always beside me is my co-host one of my best friends in the fantasy game and one of the best players that's out there it's confirmed ladies and gentlemen that would be dylan white all the way from toronto canada how's it going dude Uh, Not bad, not bad. Looking forward to talking outfielders. Nice. Have you been busy? A lot of action, things going on up there in Canada?
0: Uh, Yeah, but in the boring world of
1: non-baseball, so uh, not exciting. Well, at least there's something happening because there's nothing happening in MLB. We've had a couple of signings this week, (laughs) both relievers more or less, Yariel Rodriguez. You might be able to make a case he can start. I think he's going to be a reliever. And then Josh Hader goes to the Astros, which... Sorry to all the Ryan Presley owners out there, especially if you drafted early and took a shot on him as the closer. I do have to say my Clay Holmes shares with Araldus Chapman signing and Josh Hader have made me feel a little bit better. So there's a good chance that uh, Clay Holmes is a worthy keeper and I'm not going to get burned in Highlanders. So I'm happy about that doing. <laughs> that, that's good. I, I happen to have Ryan Presley on one of
0: my dynasty teams. So not too happy about that, but uh, you know, you roll with the punches.
1: Rest in peace. Well, there's no WBC this year, and as far as I know, Josh Hader isn't closing for anybody. So you're not going to have to worry about the Edwin Diaz curse, unfortunately. <laughs> but I guess you never know. Maybe he'll celebrate a big spring training win and something will happen. <laughs> Presley will be a worth a worthy hold candidate. Um, does this change in terms of landing spots? Does this impact – Hater's value for you at all i know we're working on pitchers right now those are going to come out today as we speak we're a week behind in the podcast but did it impact you at all when you were doing your rankings uh hater no not really it just kind of made me feel more
0: comfortable that you know five-year deal like he's going to be closing obviously i knocked presley down um on the news because i think his value he has good uh ratios he's a bit older so he kind of maintains his value by being the closer, but now because he's likely not the closer, he, his value kind of falls tremendously. So he's kind of like Jose Alvarado or something. some a good, a good pitcher with good ratios who can get saves, mm-hmm. um, but you can't count on him to be the primary closer. So he dropped mm-hmm. substantially. Hater kind of stays the same.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, it's a good landing spot. I mean, certainly a, a playoff team, a competitive team, he should have opportunities for, as many saves as he's probably seen uh, throughout his career, even with those good Brewers teams. I don't think we could say that they're on the same par of existence or plane of success as the Astros. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a it's a good landing spot. And, you know, it's not a park where I think he's going to get blown up on a regular basis. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it all shakes out. But uh, good signing there. Astros bullpen is obviously really loaded, and I think it's even funnier because – I forget who made the the point on Twitter, but like Brian Abreu might actually be better than both of them. So um, kind of a good problem to have if you're an Astros fan. But that being said, um, we don't have any other deals to talk about. Nothing else that's happened that's been of large circumstance. I guess Araldus Chapman signing with the Pirates, which is he the closer? Is he just a setup guy? Is he going to get traded again for a noteworthy pitcher? And like, are they going to try to pull the Cole Reagans, the scam again? They saw... They saw the Royals do it, so now the Pirates are like, "Hey, maybe we can trade all this for like this, like reliever, and like we'll we'll make him a starter, and he'll just all of a sudden be like a top forty pitcher overnight, like <laughs> maybe top thirty. <30." laughs> um, I don't know. Anyway, we are here to talk about outfielders. So we just released that last week. It, this is the most loaded position, but it also you're dealing with a lot more outfielders than you are shortstops. Um, we had exactly 17 players inside the outfielders that were ranked inside the top 50. So 40% ish 36% ish. I'm trying to do the math in my head, but (laughs) like, it's a good chunk. I mean, you're, you're talking about almost half the players in the top 50 were outfielders. Um, And there's a lot of shortstops in that mix as well. So a lot of the best talent is coming from this position. Um, You have the number one fantasy player last year and somebody that I think is probably doomed to repeat uh, some of that same success. Doomed is kind of a funny word to say, but I don't know if he's going to go 40, 70 or whatever again this year. Um, But I mean, if you're getting 35, 50, you're still going to be pretty happy. That's obviously Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, I don't think much is much is changing for Acuna's value over the next three to four years. He's 26 years, you know, 26 years old, heading into his prime, um, and you know, as long as he stays healthy, we're talking about somebody who should return top five or top ten value pretty consistently, even with a bit of bad luck. Yeah. No, obviously. I mean,
0: that, that, that season was so ridiculous. Like his projections this year are like 37, 55 or something like that, which is ridiculous. He's only 26 heading into his twenty sixth season. So mm-hmm. yeah, the only thing that could stop him, especially because he's also on a, a great team with great lineup around him. So the only thing that could stop him is, is, is that injury risk. I was, I was worried about him last year. I was nervous. Yeah because of the, the knee and all that stuff. But, uh, you yeah, know, obviously <laughs> didn't have an issue last year. So there's still a chance, you know, he may not be, he's the clear cut number one in redraft one, one, um, by far, like the gap between him and second, if you do like valuations on dollar value is like so mm-hmm. high. Yeah. Um, that's ridiculous. So it's, uh, it's one where you want your, the first pick overall, if you have the opportunity to select where you can draft from, but, uh, yeah. I mean, just if he gets injured, there's going to be a lot of tears, not not just for fantasy players, but baseball, because he's just so electrifying as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of tears, we have sort of a, a nice, interesting group below Acuna. Two young guns, two consecutive rookie of the years, uh, in Julio Rodriguez at number two, and Corbin Carroll at number three. Um We saw Rodriguez last season um, eclipse the 30-home run, 30-stolen base threshold um, while scoring 102 runs and 103 RBIs. That 100-100 contribution with the 30-30 is rare, of course. Then we got Corbin Carroll who, you know, hit 285, 362, 506 with 25 home runs and 54 stolen bases of his own. How impossible or probable is it that rodriguez or carol can approach acuna numbers or be within that same sort of tier within the next couple of years i mean because you are talking about somebody here who as a rookie 25 home runs over 50 stolen bases if he ticks up a little bit particularly in the home run category to 30 35 maybe gets closer to 55 60 stolen bases We're starting to talk Acuna's neighborhood a little bit here with Carroll. And I think maybe you won't get those stolen bases with Julio Rodriguez, but you're getting the runs, you're getting the RBIs. And I think it's not out of the realm of possibility that he hits 40 plus home runs one of these seasons.
0: Yeah. I mean, if, if you want, if if you're talking closest to Acuna, I think it would have to be Carroll just because the stolen bases, I think are going to be much higher than Julio Rodriguez. Um, but in terms of fantasy value, I think maybe Julio Rodriguez. I mean, I had him ranked on my personal ranks higher than Carroll. Um, I just I just love what he brings, the power. I mean, that's like 40 home run power possibly. Um, and also stealing, you know, 30 bases. Um, so I just, I love Julio Rodriguez there. I think both of them can put up the fantasy value of Ronald Acuna Jr. I mean, they're both 23. They're not even at, in their prime, which is a scary thought and an exciting thought. Um, but in terms of like kind of mapping to like the home run stolen base and and batting average kind of thing that you're seeing for Makuna, I think Carroll probably is the best shot at it of the two.
1: Well, we have another another guy here in this tier, uh, because the top four players in our top 50 are outfielders. Um, Fernando Tatis Jr., obviously coming off the PEDs, has dealt with some injuries as well. Um, the overall slash line numbers were down, but the strikeout rate was the lowest of his career still produced uh, 25 home runs and 29 stolen bases in a full healthy season. Have you seen any regression with Tatis or do you think this is another guy that maybe, you know, just had an off year, was coming off some stuff, was maybe a little rusty, you know, what else he's dealing with? Can he surpass that 30, 35 home run threshold and start to get into like the 50 stolen base category? If fully healthy, I mean, I think we've seen – production for spurts like that from Tatis before. So how how unreasonable would it be to maybe see a season like that from him? I think it's definitely possible. I mean, he's under 27 as well. Um, it was nice
0: to see that, you know, I assume that they're they're checking his PET situation quite closely. And even uh, assuming he's completely clean, he's still is managing at a 2020 season, nearly 25-30 season, like you say. Um, I kind of, put the, like the chaos that the Padres were last year as kind of attributing to part of why he didn't do so well. um, Why he was a bit rusty that just, they kind of underperformed expectations significantly. Um, So I kind of give him like a mulligan in that way. I I think he's definitely possible, uh, definitely capable of, of doing a 40, 40 season. Um, Yeah. I, I think he was settling into right field. He plays great defense there. Uh, Soto's gone now. Maybe he'll like the spotlight more if he was sharing the spotlight. I'm not sure. I'm just talking nonsense. But uh, I I still like Tatis Jr. I would still take him as a first rounder and redraft um, because he's so young. Obviously, he's incredibly valuable uh, in Dynasty as well. So I think he's definitely in the conversation and that's where we have him
1: in that tier. Yeah, and just rounding out the top five here, I think it sort of starts the next tier, which for me, at least just looking at it on surface, kind of goes from five up until nine um kyle tucker uh going into i think a contract year, if i'm not mistaken as well um 30 home runs 30 stolen bases um came one homer short so it was actually 29 home runs 30 stolen bases this season um but you know he's he's averaged 30 home runs over the last three years and has a total of, I think 69 stolen bases going back to 2021. Um, When we look at some of these numbers and we know the lineup that he's in going in um, to his age 27 season. So we're getting into sort of Tucker's peak. What's your expectation this year? Um, The lineup isn't necessarily getting worse, um, you know, kind of returning similar players to last year. Do you think this is another guy? Could he get over that 30-30 threshold with good batting average and, you know, solid counting stats because of his lap position? Yeah,
0: 100%. I think, I think projections have him at 34-25, something like that. Um, he is age 27 season, so he's just entering his prime as well. Um, I think he's definitely, like, this is the thing with this group, right? They're all 27 or younger. They're all five-category contributors um or they're four category contributors but they're really contributing in those four categories like Jordan Alvarez or or Juan Soto or Aaron Judge um it's like take your pick of what what you want and you can also you you just you're going to be re- racking up the, the production in, in those categories by having these guys and you're going to do it for, for quite some time. So yeah, Kyle Tucker is definitely in the same conversation as the Tatis and the Julio Rodriguez and the Corbin Carroll. He's not much older than them at all. He's not in his thirties, for example. So like, you're not like expecting a fall off at any time. He's just kind of easing into his prime now. And I don't, I don't think it matters about if the lineup is better or worse. I mean, he still has Jordan there. He still has Bregman. He still has Altuve and, um, he was producing even when he was down lower in the lineup for the last couple of years too. So he's kind of like lineup agnostic and he'll still produce for you five categories. So Kyle Tucker is definitely in that top tier for sure.
1: Yeah. And then uh, at number six, I think we're, we're still, I, I guess I'm splitting tiers a little bit. We're still sort of like in those top hitters group because all these guys like are inside the top 11 that we're about to talk about just overall. So, like I said, you know, Outfield is deep, and Outfield is also incredibly talented up at the top. I'm interested to get into your thoughts on the switch for Juan Soto, if lineup and Parker and they improve his numbers. Before we get into that, Dylan, it's like a big market tease here. I'm going to take a quick break. What do you say? Let's do it.
2: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed.
1: All right. And we're back. Uh, I teased before the break. We're going to talk a little Juan Soto left-handed hitter going into the best home ballpark that he's ever played in, in a really good talented lineup. It's kind of a dream situation for a Juan Soto manager. I mean, if you're rostering this guy on your dynasty team last year was maybe a bit of a down year for Soto. Um, I think you might see some of his best home run totals in Yankee Stadium. doesn't always work that way, um, but in terms of his swing and that park, it's a great match. So what are your thoughts? Where, where, where do you fall in terms of like what are you projecting for Soto this year? Do you think he's a guy that, just based on in maybe an OBP league or a points league format, factoring in the walk rate, factoring in the potential for home runs, and maybe some additional boost in counting stats, whether it be runs or RBIs, is Soto of a guy that can push into the sort of top ten, t- top five at this position? Because it is really loaded, and it's kind of funny to say for a player this young, this talented, who's put up the type of numbers that he has. I mean, it's possible. I, I think the fact that he doesn't steal like 20,
0: 20 bases will kind of always keep him on the outside. Like Jordan Alvarez, for example, that is just incredible as well, but he doesn't have the speed. So he I don't think he could ever really be in the top tier. Um, I do expect huge things from Soto. I, I do think like he'll be pushing 40 home runs, 35 to 40 home runs. He's going to be in the lineup with Judge. I assume he'll bat third and Judge second. Maybe the other way around. Doesn't matter. So, I mean, <laughs> one, you'll get more runs. One, you'll get more RBIs. Um, of course, he's going to have the, the very high OBP. His batting average will probably be you know 280 or higher. Um, I expect big things from Soto. I expect big things from Judge as well. Um, that's two of them. It's just going to be quite
1: a quite a treat to watch. We'll get to Judge in a moment. Um, I do think that Soto is a good example of knowing your scoring. Because um, there are OBP leagues or points leagues where because of how strong his on-base ability is and how much he walks with all the other stuff that he does as well, he does get a boost into those sort of upper tiers in terms of when you take a step back at the end of the day and look at total points. Cause a lot of those leagues don't necessarily value stolen bases as or they value them pretty close to what you know they value to walk. So if you're getting three walks for every stolen base, you're kind of making up the difference there, plus adding some of those other numbers. So I do think it is format dependent. You know, there's certainly probably formats and you know, doing your your value propositions and all that sort of stuff and factoring in project projections before the season you do necessarily want like you definitely want to know you know how he maybe is valued versus some other guys um especially if it's redraft or it's a startup and you know it's always good to have a good feel for that sort of thing all right let's move on to another hitter here that i think falls into a similar category doesn't run but everything else in those other four categories that he provides is outstanding and that's jordan alvarez um obviously a lineup mate of kyle tucker you mentioned him earlier from a pure hitting standpoint you can make the case that this might be the best hitter in baseball just from contact the things that he does at the plate it's very tough to beat him and strike him out the amount of power that he has um you know obviously not the best athlete not the the twitchiest player but i think just from a hitting perspective you watch Jordan Alvarez hit, it's pretty clear. But he's had some scary sort of lingering lower body issues and injuries for the last couple of years, which I think, though you can make the case for him over Soto, him going into his age 26 season, knowing he's not getting any younger, and there's a chance this guy ends up as just a full-time DH and doesn't have a position. And we're kind of talking the David Ortiz, Frank Thomas situation. But... I love Jordan. Definitely play player on a roster all over the place, but he just come with his limitations versus these other guys when we're talking fantasy value.
0: Yeah, I mean, he he doesn't steal. Like Soto at least gets, you know, 10, 10 or 11 stolen bases type of thing. Alvarez uh gets one. <laughs> gets zero. Um and you kind of don't want him to run anyway, like you, you alluded to with his his knees and stuff. Um But yeah, he's another one just like Soto. Like, Soto has an OBP projection from Steamer at 426, obviously elite. Um, Jordan Alvarez is at 399. Like, he's not that far behind. Uh, Acuna is at 405. So, like, it's elite of elite. Um, Last year before the season, um, I was taking a look at the StatCast, and one of the things I was looking at is how hitters do against different pitches. So I, I take a hitter and I see how they do against four seamers, how they do against sliders, how they do against curveballs, etc. et cetera. Um, and I look at kind of the key things whiff rate, uh, uh Woba and contact and, you know, exit velocity, 90% of exit velocity, all that stuff. And like your Don just crushes every type of pitch. Every one of them are, were in the red. Um, like he's not, it's not one of those things where it's like, Oh, all you have to do is like get splitters past him or, just throw splitters at him because he can't handle those or he can't handle curveballs, but crushes everything else. It's not like that at all. He crushes everything. Um, so yeah, probably one of the one of the best, purest hitters in the league on a you know, pound-for-pound basis type of thing. Um, just absolutely a monster.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you cued me up nicely because we're talking about monsters. We have The monster himself of baseball. That's Aaron Judge, obviously, massive power or arson judge for some people. I'm going to throw it back to uh, the winter meetings of 2022. Didn't have the season that he had in 2022, where obviously he slugged 62 home runs, only played 106 games. You know, he's older, but I think this is kind of par for the course with Judge. Like, you're going to probably not. You're gonna be really lucky if you get 150 games at a judge. More often than not, I would say you should put your average somewhere around 125 to 130 and expect that he could fluctuate one way or the other. When he's in your lineup, when he's playing for your team, it's of great value. Um, but I do think there is some there is some risk with this pick. Just body, he's dealt with injuries. He is a little bit older because he got it, he was kind of a late bloomer, late start. It's just part of the package. So how much do you factor in some of those risk factors when you're valuing judge, um, whether it's for this year or for future seasons in dynasty?
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess you have to, I, I had him two years ago in the, when he set the record. And so like, I, I love Aaron judge <laughs> as a result. Um The turf toe that he got last year from running into the wall at Dodger stadium, obviously is a problem. He's had injuries throughout his career like you're saying I don't like the fact that he's presumably the 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 center fielder the primary center fielder for the Yankees I just feel that that's going to be a bit more wear and tear uh for him um so yeah I mean I, I liked him as a bounce back for this year I like that people will start you know downgrading him Oh, uh, here he is again the injury prone Aaron Judge um and then when Soto signed everyone's perking up for Aaron Judge and then I just think that he he's too costly now, but I just think like when he's on the field on a, on a per plate appearance basis, he is just he just crushes the ball as well. Like I, I do this in season uh, sort of metric where I I take like the stack ass and I kind of weight them appropriately uh, or accordingly. And like Acuna leading the team, like leading the league and in, in his underlying and all that stuff, of course. It also takes project production and projections. It kind of blends them all. And Aaron Judge is number two. So like I have him as like if he's playing, he is, you know, second best in terms of production about major league hitters. Um, so I like Aaron Judge. I think he's great. He's obviously great. Five, four categories with, you know, throws in a couple double digit steals maybe and if he's with Juan Soto his his runs and RBIs are probably going to be higher than it would have been before so I, I think he definitely belongs in the in the top 10 like we have him
1: yeah agree um you know i wanted to bring up some of the risk i think it's like he's one of those guys where like you said like there's a point in the season where like he's perfect to acquire cuz his price isn't that high and the soto thing's happen he jumps <laughs> up a little bit and you're like so yeah, I mean, on talent alone, it's uh, it's hard to argue. And I feel like that's the kind of player that I end up with in an auction, but not necessarily in a draft. Like, people are more willing in drafts to maybe take a chance, I've noticed, where with auctions with guys like that that have a little bit of risk baked in, there's typically like a, like a wall. Like, they're just not going to go past this point in terms of bidding. So I guess it remains to be seen, but we'll see. Number nine is arguably my favorite player on the list. there would be Mookie Betts at, uh, at number nine. He's number 11 overall. He's also our number one second baseman, um, which is kind of interesting and in how all that shakes out. For me, adding the second base eligibility in the places that I roster him, I think he's a guy that's going to hold a certain amount of value for the next several years. Um, and it's uh, – it's definitely, um, you know, somebody that, despite the age, I'm not necessarily worried about any risk that's going to come with that, and he's going to be in a lineup with Freddie Freeman and Shohei Otani, so could be worse.
0: No, it definitely could be worse. I think I think he his athleticism. He's just such a great athlete that he's going to age well. I think. Um, the 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 dual eligibility and I, even has shortstop in some leagues too is just obviously incredible for this year I I wonder what he's going to have uh, going into twenty twenty five if it's just second base um, even then obviously he'd still be an incredibly elite second baseman but uh, yeah the dual eligibility he was a guy that uh, Brian Slack and I had on our main event team and his his eligibility his flexibility was great I think I mentioned this on our on our second base one, but it was just so, so huge that we could just plug and play every, every lineup change. We knew that we had second base and outfield covered and it just opened up so many options for us to make sure we could optimize our lineup. Um, so yeah, big old Mookie. We were hoping for that 40 home runs. He only had 39, but uh, we'll take the 39.
1: Yeah. And just continues to, to mash uh, runs enough. And the plate skills have always been great. I think it's pretty clear now when I jump into who number 10 is that there is a pretty seismic tier shift here in terms of like, these are the best players in the game. Um, and then we start to get into some guys who a little bit on the younger side, upside plays as well. Guys who have had productive season, like a Louis Robert, uh, who still have that upside if the plate skills do come along, but probably won't. Wyatt Langford at number 10. I kind of look at him as sort of like the American college version of what Juan Soto is uh, just incredibly polished plate skills. He's going to get on base at an elite rate. The bats at ball skills might actually be better. If they're really, really good. And there is great underlying power. He's had speed that we've gotten reports that he slowed down a little bit from the, the run times that we're getting in college. I th- think you can bank on maybe 10 to 15 steals, I think that's what his upside is, that he jumps into that area, but he's never going to be, you know, have enough stolen base value to maybe approach Carroll or or Julio Rodriguez. But for me, this is the top potential fantasy prospect in the game. I think we say it in a write-up. He's kind of neck and neck with Junior Caminero in terms of if he gets an opportunity to run with it and gets 500 at-bats at the big league level this year, Langford's going to be the rookie of the year. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think so. I think the
0: what I've been worried about all offseason is how the outfield situation shakes out in in uh, Texas. So they have Leone Tavares, who's playing very good defense and center. They have Evan Carter, who is just a man on fire um, even throughout the playoffs. Um, Adolis Garcia in right field. <clears throat> and so is Wyatt Langford going to have to split time? Is, is he going to run away with it? And then is that going to you know, lower the playing time of others, or they kind of, kind of mix and match, and kind of they all mix in like an average number of plate appearances. Um, so I, that's kind of been my hesitation. But there's the projections, just everything we've seen, everything we we expected from from his debut in the minors, based on how he just mashed in the minor leagues, Statcast supporting it as well, just suggests he's going to be like a twenty five fifteen uh, hitter, like right from the get go at age. 22. Is that what it is? Um, in a great lineup, those guys I mentioned in the outfield for the Rangers, but plus uh, Corey Seager, plus Marcus Semien, plus Nathaniel Lowe, plus Josh Young. like It's it's just an incredible offensive lineup. Um, so he's going to have counting stats. Um, it's just, is he going to be full-time? And th- that's the only thing that's kind of tempering my expectations for this year, but just for a dynasty asset to be that young and to have a five category contribution in a great lineup is um like he's, he's basically just on the precipice of being in the, in the top tier. He just hasn't done it yet. And so there's, you just kind of lower your expectations slightly and ding him a bit.
1: Well, and it's funny because if we had the same scenario going into last season, Lankford's a year earlier in the draft, just hypothetical, it might be Leody that's like easily on the way out. Um he had a solid season, you know, but it was WRC plus a 98. Um, you know, his defensive war was good. But for me, I think he's the odd man out. Um, I think Evan Carter is going to be their center fielder going forward for the next decade. So um, you move Dallas Garcia out to right, Langford settles into left where, you know, he's not a standout defender. So it's perfect. Um, that's their best lineup. And, you know, you can count on Leodi just like your. Your fourth outfielder, you know, extra bat, you know, maybe to get some Langford, some DH at bats as well, mix it up a little bit. I think there's still 300 plus plate appearances for Leody Tavares, even if the majority of at bats go to Carter, Langford, and Garcia. Um, I think just from a talent standpoint, I've seen this happen too many times where we kind of worry about a guy like that and then we see what happens. That being said. Let's jump into a guy who broke his way in to the big league outfield. That was a little bit crowded at the time and Michael Harris, the second um, we actually have him at number 11, but the reason I bring him up is he was your primary target in our tar- target sleepers and fades article. So I'm proud you're higher on him than I am at this point. I liked him a lot as a prospect because of the contact and power skills. Some of the approach stuff does scare me. So What's your fascination with Michael Harris? He's a
0: 2020 bat. He plays uh, elite center field and he's 23 years old. So he's going to get full-time playing time. He's putting up the category numbers across the board Um, because he plays center field so well. Even as he ages down, he's just going to be moved over. He's not going to be DH'd. So he he that gives him longer runway, longer longevity as well. And his batting average is like 280, 290. I can't remember what it is. Let me check what I wrote here. Uh I don't have it here. Oh, 295 batting average in, in his major league career. 295 yeah. batting average. So I know he had some approach issues, quote unquote, where he, you know, he chases more than he, he walks. He, he doesn't walk.
1: Doesn't I mean, that's really what it is. He doesn't. Yeah. So if like your OBP or points, it's like where I am very slanted <laughs> scoring-wise to those formats. But I mean yeah. five by five, you're right though. <laughs> yeah, I mean if you're if you're hitting
0: 295, even if you don't if you only walk like you did last year, he walked 4.6%, like very, very low. He still had a 330 OBP. Like it's still yeah. above average. So um yes, that 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 is a wart that he has in OBP leagues, he is he's not as yeah. good. But if he's doing 295 with an average of 20 home runs and 20 stolen bases at age 23 the expectation is as he ages up into his prime you know he's getting into like 32 home runs 25 stolen bases Mm -hmm. he's in that incredible lineup um as he improves he'll probably be you know batting near the top as well with Acuna and Olsen and Riley behind him so he's just going to be racking up the numbers Mm -hmm. um over the next couple years so I just, I was surprised at how, how good his career numbers were. I don't, I loved him going into last year. Um, but kind of like I was talking about with Langford, I wasn't sure, you know, was he going to get full-time at bats as well? And, and is the approach going to hurt him? Are they going to make adjustments? And he's going to um, our pitcher's going to make adjustments and he's going to go into like, you know, a prolonged slump. Um, and none of that happened really. So just the arrow went up after I, I looked into the numbers and I'm just like, wow, I can't believe how good this guy is. So yeah, I think he's just knocking on the door. He's just like those guys that we talked above, but uh, he just doesn't walk as much.
1: So that's his that's his one flaw. Well, I have another guy that I can get a few rounds later, maybe. Um, that for me is very similar, and that's Jordan Walker. Doesn't walk a whole heck of a lot. Um, does hit for you know a pretty high batting average. It was two seventy six out of the gate in his rookie season. Obviously, had to spend a month down in AAA for God knows why. Um, the power is there. I, I think we've just started to scratch the surface of what his power is. Um, and, you know, I mean, Walker, Walker can still run. I know he's a bigger guy and that those numbers might slow down, um, in the coming years. But, you know, I think with full-time run and confidence, probably a better lineup position. I think we could see, you know, some of those 20 home, uh, 20 steel, sort of seasons like what he did in 2022 Um, only had seven last year didn't run as much but the speed is there the base running ability is there the rules uh, as they are Um, I feel like he's a guy if you just simply look at last year's numbers um, you can be optimistic I think there is more there I think this is a guy that can hit 285 with 30 home runs and it's just going to be like a switch gets flipped He got his 465 plate appearances last year. I think he's right within that window where the breakout is going to happen in the next year or so. No, I'm taking a little bit of a leap of faith, but I think just based on the value, he could be a guy for me, if I'm looking at somebody outside the first couple of rounds this year, that could really jump into the first couple of rounds in terms of redraft leagues next year. And obviously in Dynasty, that's the game, trying to identify those guys before they pop and acquire them for a little bit less I bet you that you can acquire Jordan Walker for less today than you could last March where everything was going insane. Right. Um, I, I think the value is there to grab him right now before he potentially takes off. Yeah. You- I,
0: I don't, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, like he's, he's still only 21. Like it's kind of ridiculous. That's and he, it, had, right? he had a higher WRC plus than Michael Harris of 116 to one fifteen last year. Um, Obviously his defense is, is not as good as Michael Harris's. No, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, I think he has the, the double plus raw. Um, he does, he does hit the ball into the ground, but you know, he still hit 16 home runs in the 465 plate appearances you're saying. Hmm. So, you know, that's, that's over 20 home run pace at 600 plate appearances age 21. So like that's easy 35 home run power. Uh, 135 WRC plus type of thing at peak just from kind of extrapolating out his aging. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I do. I think that's a great call. And I do think you're right. I do think his value is lower now than it was exactly a year ago. So great time to
1: pounce. So pick one of your sleepers here to talk to me about. You got cousin, Sal Frelick, <laughs> one of my favorites, local Boston guy, Boston college Eagle and Jack. Swinski, as I used to call him. Swoninski. I love this guy in the miners. He was like a early um stat cast data pop for me because of the low chase rates and the high EVs. Um so he's kind of like my my jam. So pick one of these two guys to talk to me about, and I'll pick one of mine. <laughs> uh yeah, maybe I'll just go Frelek. I think
0: the the thing with Frelek is he's not really rated that highly. Um in my opinion, from what I'm perceiving from, from yeah. my, my leagues. Um, his, pro- his projection for power and his projection for speed isn't that high. Um, he's just kind of like a Luis Arias type projection. So I know a lot of people shy away from that where it's just batting average and on base, but I, I think there's more there. I think we had him as a, as a 70 runner. He stole seven bases last year with not being caught. So um I kind of expect he's gonna run more because if you're not getting caught, if you're if you're at a higher than 90% clip, that means you're not attempting enough. Um, so I expect he's gonna he's gonna steal more. And because he only had seven attempts last year, his projection, like the the projection systems don't know. They just know what he did and what he did per opportunity. Um, they have him lower than I think he he's capable of. Um his defense is great, so he's gonna get the playing time. Um, roster resource has him, i think batting third in this brewer lineup that's uh kind of been kind of been crushed um so i expect he's going to get the playing time he has great contact um i i kind of liken him to Quan and i compare them and and kwan did have value he was the 15th best outfielder not last year but the year before on a sort of a high obp high batting average with 20 steals kind of Profile. And I think Frelick is very capable of that. He has even more power than mm-hmm. Quan. He's like three years younger. Faster. Um, he's faster, better barrel rate, better exit velocities, all these things. So he's kind of like what Quan, like I have Quan as his floor. And because he's so much younger, he's like an age into Quan. So I think he's kind of underrated. And people are being scared off by the projections that he's like a seven home run, seven stolen base guy or whatever it is, like single digits on both of those. So like he's not someone worth worth rostering. But I think that that might be a mistake. And uh, he may be way more expensive next year when people realize how young he
1: is. And he's a guy that's going to put up value for five years. I think there's 15 homer pop here, especially in that ballpark as a lefty. I've seen the kind of stuff that that Frelick can turn on when he wants to. And this is one of those guys – this is funny. I'm going to liken it to actually like Louis Arias. Like he's got elite barrel control. So he's going to take what pitchers give him. He can put the ball in play. He can put it the other way. He can turn on something that's in the inner half. He can drive something up the middle. And he's fast enough that when he does put the ball on the ground – he puts the pressure on the defense to make those outs because he is barreling down the line from the left-handed batter's box. I mean, I've seen this guy run sub four ones, you know, I mean, he flies. Um, And when he gets on, he works deep in accounts. When he gets on, he likes to run. He likes to steal. This could be a really dynamic, exciting Brewers team. I think we don't necessarily know what it's going to turn out to be, but like him and Churio, um, if we get a full, healthy Garrett Mitchell, who seemed like he was starting to tap into some of the power, we'd still got Joey Weimer. And Tyler Black. Tyler Black. Tyler Black could be up. Yeah. Um, it's an exciting young team. Willie Adamas isn't a bad hitter either. I think he's a little bit underrated, you know, depending upon what your format is. Obviously, we want the batting average to get up. But, yeah, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to throw out one of my sleepers. I have two. I'm not going to give away the Brendan Donovan uh, goods. I'm going to make you want to go read that. That is some insight from some insider info on Brendan Donovan, you know, that I've spoken with Brendan recently. um, about his swing and some of the things he's working on this offseason, snuck that into some fantasy reports. That's the stuff you get with Baseball America. I'm going to talk about my boy Chaz. Chaz McCormick. I was shocked, number one, at how good his numbers are against left-handed pitching. There are not many outfielders in the 40-man roster that can push McCormick for playing time. I think this guy is going to exceed... 500 plate appearances for the first time in his career this year. Last year, he hit 273, 353, 489 over 115 games. Finished one uh, steal short of a 2020 season. I'm seeing McCormick as a guy that I'm going to any kind of a draft. I'm seeing dollar signs because where this guy is getting drafted and how he's being valued in early drafts, whether it's dynasty, whether it's redraft, I'm looking at their lineup. I'm looking at his roster situation and saying, it's pretty easy that McCormick, if healthy, could, you know, play 140 games and see that 500 plus at bats. Maybe we're talking about 2025 next season, maybe more, with good underlying numbers. And he mashes left-handed pitching last year, 325, 399, 610. When he sees lefties, he turns into Jordan Alvarez. So I'm just saying, like, I think that the, it's funny cause I did not come into this ranking process. And I think this is probably something that with certain players, like you've noticed as well, as I started to dig deeper into the numbers, cause I, I pull the players up that I have. I factor in some rookies. I pull in all the, the data and numbers, you know, that I look at and McCormick was a guy where it was like, just looking blindly at the numbers was like, I think I should probably push this guy up a little bit, you know? And then I'm like, well, but maybe he's going to platoon. And then I started looking at, you know, the the roster situation. I know the Astros uh, organization as well as anybody uh, in terms of their depth and their minor league system. And I'm like, you know, I think I'm buying it at McCormick and the price isn't that much of a gamble based on the sort of production you can get back. And, you know, I kind of wonder if he's one of these guys where, The pedigree wasn't there. He kind of popped up as a late bloomer. It's maybe not a sexy pick, but I I think he could be as... It wouldn't shock me if he's as valuable as Randy Arizarena next year, if he gets full time at bats. That's my bet. Because from a per-game basis last year, McCormick actually beats out uh, Arizarena, Michael Harris, and Brian Reynolds, all guys that are still going ahead of him in drafts. And some for good reason. Reynolds, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Harris... Good reason. I faded Aris Arena, so I'm a little bit off him this year, especially going to these later years where I worry about the twitch kind of, um, you know, dissipating a little bit. But yeah, so I guess this is my 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 big uh, speech about Chaz McCormick. So there you go. What are your thoughts on on Chaz for this year? Am I am I over my skis here, Dylan? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. I think I think like on Twitter
0: last year. It was all about why isn't Dusty Baker playing Chaz McCormick? He's like you said, he's 2020, basically and only 400 bats. Um, He's playing solid, like above average center field defense. Like there was no real hole in his game. And Dusty Baker just kind of refused to keep playing him full time. And uh, I don't understand it myself. Um, I like that he plays excellent center field defense like I've been going on about Michael Harris and Sal relic and all that. And Leoni Tavares, if you play solid above average center field defense, you're going to get, you should get playing time and you have a high floor. So I do like it. I think, I think people are a bit skeptical. I think that's why he's so cheap this year. Um, like, he had four stolen bases the year before four stolen bases the year before that. And then he explodes for 19. So like, how real is it? Is it just a one-off or is he just taking advantage of the rules? And so this is what we're going to see now. I don't know. And I think because people don't know they, that that uncertainty kind of has them tentative. So like the Spencer Steers, the teacher, TJ, TJ Friedells, Nolan Jones, people who kind of came out of nowhere and, and put mm. up five category people are, are skeptical. And I think even all those guys I just mentioned, there aren't really that many holes in their game. Um, mm. And it, people are probably overcorrecting by being conservative. And those guys, I know you like Spencer Steer. I know you like Nolan Jones as well. And yeah. I think you're on to something here. I think that There's you a new are. new wave, Dylan. Exactly. You're playing the market properly, I think. <laughs> um, people are,
1: are being too conservative heading into the year. Yeah, it's funny because all the players that I really like are all uh, like AL players. <laughs> <Spencer> <laughs> I'm like, I need more NL players. I got the NL labor coming up in a little bit over a month, man. And I got my teeth caned into me last year. I finished last for the first time in the league in like forever. So I got to come back with a vengeance. You know, can't just be a vacation down there in Florida. Got to be, got to be doing work. Got to be uh, <laughs> repping for the crew and the brand. What's <laughs> We've gotten through it. That's the uh, outfield podcast. We have pitchers dropping today. Go and check that out on Baseball America. Uh, we ranked 200 pitchers and wrote up a whole bunch of them. More write-ups, than I think, than any other positional group. So, go and check those out. And we'll have the full dynasty list coming out next week, Dylan. So we gotta we gotta start cranking on getting all these guys in order and making sure everything makes sense and we're not <laughs> contradicting each other getting it out a lot earlier. Um, I don't know a number yet. We're going to combine it. We're going to see where it is. I'm going to guess that it's probably going to be at least 500, Um, but we'll see how things shake out when we get everything combined. But uh, Dylan, as always, thank you for joining me. All the listeners out there, thank you for listening and supporting Baseball America. We had a ton of content from the top 100 that came out last week. We have top 30s dropping this week. We have 31 to 40s dropping next week. So a lot of other content that's very, very valuable and stuff you want to check out. Of course, Ben Badler's International Big Board and all the signings, all that tracker is up on the website. So it's like prime season, man. Come out to Baseball America, check it out. Order a prospect handbook if you haven't already. We've got uh, all the goods to get you ready for baseball season. I'm out
0: i got nothing to add i mean the, the content you guys put out for the the top 100 and all the ancillary articles about it who just missed who we would have next year who we think will be top 10 why did we just miss blah 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 we just incredible content so
2: yeah this last
1: week was incredible blast to work on but uh for all the listeners out there thanks for tuning in cheers